All right, good morning, and thank you to all of you who are joining us online or through our podcast. We are glad you're here, and we have been praying for you, both you guys that are here and those of you that are online, we have been praying for you and praying that God would speak to you this morning and speak to all of us. And so this morning, I want to talk about how to weather the storm. When I was in the Navy, um, we went through many, many really, really big storms. And one of the things that you learn early on when you go to sea is that you don't fight the ocean. You don't fight the ocean. And there are certain... um, things that you do to prepare for the storm. Whenever we were going into heavy seas, they would let everyone know with an announcement and we would secure everything. That means we make sure everything is tied down, strapped down, put in a a locking cabinet. And today I want to talk about how do we weather the storm of our current culture and the days that we're living in. Because if you haven't noticed... We are living in some very stormy days, political storms, cultural storms, philosophical storms are happening all around us. And God actually gave me a passage of scripture today in Matthew 7 that we're going to go through and talk about both some of the storms that we are seeing right now, but we are also going to talk about how to weather those because Jesus told us how to weather these kinds of storms. So let's begin with prayer and then we'll get right into that. So Jesus, we come before you this morning. We thank you that you are on your throne. There is no threat to your authority. God, there are many voices saying lies right now and deceptions, but God, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and that is established by God and will never be undermined. And God, we want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords in our hearts and in our lives. God, I ask that you would open our hearts today to receive your word like good seed, and we ask that our hearts would be good soil and it would produce a return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, there was a prophet who said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. That's the first thing that I want to establish before we talk about the storms. God is actively seeking people whose hearts belong to him so that he can support them. So the first thing I want to say to you before I talk about storms is the good news is that God wants to support you. He wants to strongly support you in the middle of your storms. We are living in tumultuous times. I believe that this is a time in the world that God is separating out the good fish from the bad fish. And God is 
letting the heat turn up so that we can see who is truly for him and who is not. He is purifying his church. And we're seeing this uh, in politics where we're, he's beginning to reveal politicians who tell the truth and politicians who don't. We're seeing this in business. We're seeing that business leaders who speak the truth are being revealed and those who speak lies are being revealed. We are also seeing this in churches. We are seeing religious leaders, and notice that I don't use the word Christian because I don't think that everyone who calls themselves Christian is actually a follower of Jesus. But we are seeing religious leaders revealed those who speak truth and those who don't. That's actually a specific thing that we're going to see in the passage we're going to study today. But I am also seeing that God is revealing which, of, which people, not leaders, not necessarily pastors, but just people whose hearts are truly His. That is being revealed in these days. And so I want to go through a section of Matthew 7, and I want to talk about how we can weather this storm. How do we make sure that at the end of the storm, we are secure in Christ? So please flip or click with me over to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. And again, as always, I ask you to actually open your Bible or bring it up on your Bible app so that you can see whether or not I'm actually telling you the truth. Because again, God is revealing pastors and religious leaders who are telling the truth and are not. And you know what? I want you to check me because I am capable of making mistakes. So flip or click to Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. This is Jesus preaching. And he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, to them it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Now we know from Scripture that God is good and merciful even to the wicked. Jesus told us that we should be like our Father in heaven who allows the rain to fall and the sun to shine on the evil as well as the good. That he's not partial. He allows good things to come. But if you want to find God, you must seek him. If you want to know more of God, you must make the decision to ask, to seek, to knock. Do you realize that God has so ordered things in the world 
that those that don't want to see him won't see him. Why? Because he loves them. Because he loves them. I heard a preacher once say that God hides himself from people so that people can hide themselves from him. If God, and someday this will happen, someday God is going to show up. We believe in Foursquare that Jesus is our soon coming king. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus returns, no one is going to be confused about whether or not he came back. Okay? When the end times are here, we will know it. And when Jesus returns and reveals himself to the world, everyone will know it. And when he does that, there are those who will still turn and reject him. In fact, have you ever noticed how stubborn people, when they're pushed to make a decision, they will make the most obstinate, stubborn decision they can? Have you ever known anyone like that? And God knows that on the day that he reveals himself to the world, there are those who will stomp their foot and say no to him. It is much more merciful in this time for him to remain hidden in hopes that those people will come to a place where they are desperate enough and needy enough that they will turn and look for him. Do you have a question, Peter? There will be people who will bow and acknowledge that he is the king, but they won't like it. Okay. They'll so do they'll it because him, but they will think he's the real king. Okay. they'll know the truth, but they will refuse to obey. They will refuse to submit to his authority. That's kind of like being forced to bow. Right. Mm, okay. So God hides himself in hopes that people will turn and seek him. Notice Jesus says, at the end of that passage we just read in verse 11, he says, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to who? Those who ask him. God wants to be sought. He wants to be found. Um, ladies tend to understand this because most women, um, it's romantic. It's a romantic thing when they are chased. Hmm. When a man expresses that he wants them. When my daughters were growing up, I told them, find a boy who doesn't need you but wants you. And God wants to have a loving relationship with us. As a father, I want my children to come to me. I'm not going to go push myself on them. I'm not going to call my children every day and say, hey, do you need anything? Can I give you any advice? 
Can I help you out somehow? No, if my children need something, I want them to come to me and ask. That makes me feel loved as a father. It makes me feel like I'm able to fulfill my, my position of a father to them. And God wants to be sought. God does not want robots. He doesn't want slaves. He wants children who are in healthy relationship with him. And he wants to be sought after. Okay? Um, turn over to Matthew 13, starting in verse 10. And I'm going to show you where Jesus describes this principle. In Matthew 13... Starting in verse 10, it says, The disciples came to Jesus and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Why are you telling stories? Why aren't you just telling them what you're saying? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. What does that mean? That means the disciples had already turned to follow Jesus. But to the crowds, not everyone had made that decision yet. Verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This, Jesus says, is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and, their, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. What does that say? It says, they have closed closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are you or blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not see it or did not hear it. Jesus is saying that there are people, their physical eyes work fine. Their ears work great. They can see and they can hear and they can see Jesus and God at work in the world and they can hear the good news of Jesus, but they don't choose to understand it. And so when Jesus preached in parables, he was fulfilling what God does by hiding himself. Now, God's not far away. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right there. The kingdom of the heavens. And that word heavens actually means the air around us. God is this far away from you and from me. And God is this far away from anyone in the world but they must turn and ask, seek, and knock. Because Jesus and God respect them enough not to force their hand. This is why Jesus said, 
Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is why repentance is crucial to turning to Jesus. You have the word repent literally means to change your mind, to turn. And this is why it's so important that when we tell people the good news about Jesus, we start with repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. Why? Because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. But the human being, the person, must turn away from their sin, ask, seek, and knock. Does that make sense? Because God wants to be sought after. Because that is the basis of relationship. So let me throw this out really quick. How much do you long to see God? How much do you desire to see God working in your life? How much do you long to hear God speaking to you? If you for one reason or another, don't have that longing in your heart, that's something to seek after, to seek after that longing. Do you want to know what will wake up the longing in your heart? When you ask and God shows you how much he loves you. When he shows you what his love is like, not the world's love, which the world's love is always a contract. It's always quid pro quo. It's always you do for me and I will do for you. But God's love isn't like that. God's love is I already did for you. And we're about to see that too in the same passage. You know, I used to think that if I could just come up with the right argument or I could just come up with the best logic, or I could just come up with the best convincing evidence that I could get anybody to turn to Jesus. Have any of you guys ever thought that before? Or do you know someone like that? If I can just show the right evidence and the right proof, I can get anyone to come to Jesus. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. No, you can't. Because until they are ready to turn from their sin and ask, seek, or knock, they may be able to see, but they won't understand. They may be able to hear what you're saying, but they won't perceive it because they choose not to. But God gives good gifts to those who ask. So right after that, in the next verse... In Matthew 7, so we're now in Matthew 7, verse 18. Hmm? Back to seven. Back to Matthew 7, verse 18. Right after he says that, um, let me get back up there. Right after he says that your Father in heaven gives good things to those who ask him, he says this. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What he's saying is that's God's attitude. Yeah. 
Does this say, if other people do for you what you want, then do for them? No. no. This tells us that we should be like God, who gives good things to those who ask. What we should do is we should take the initiative and we should do for others what we want, what we would have them do for us. Even if they don't, we should treat other people with respect and love even if they don't treat us with respect and love because that's what our Father in heaven does. Then it says, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, the small gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by that gate are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who, what's the word there? Those who find it are few. So Jesus describes two gates. There's a wide open gate that's easy to get through and it leads to destruction. And it says many are those who enter by that gate. So that gate is open and lots and lots of people are just wandering through that gate on the way down the path to destruction. Because sin and selfishness always lead to destruction. Do you know why God hates sin? He doesn't hate people, but he hates sin. Do you know why? Because he loves people. And sin hurts people. Does that make sense? Yeah. God hates sin because he loves people. Rachel? Really quickly, going back a little bit, it kind of reminds me of a little bit of math class, to be honest that you're not going to understand the math if you don't want to. Right. It is like math class. We will not understand what we're being taught if we don't want to understand. That's the way the human heart works. So we have this wide gate, and it's really easy, and everyone is going down this road to destruction. And Jesus says, but the gate that leads to life is narrow and hard. Did you hear that? The gate that leads to life is narrow and hard. And those who find it are few. They find it. It goes right back up to what he said before. Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find. Jesus says the gate that you find is narrow and it's hard and few are those who find it. Then uh, go down the very next verse. He talks about this a little more. Matthew 7, starting in verse 15. And this is the part that speaks to where we are right now in our society. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
So they come pretending like they're followers of Jesus, but on the inside, they're actually wolves. If you put a wolf among the sheep, what is that wolf going to do? It's going to eat the sheep. It's going to attack the sheep and eat them. And he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. In other words, don't look at their skin. They're going to call themselves Christians. They're going to say the right things. Yes. I understand. I, I, you can't judge me, but here the Bible says to, we can judge, judge them by their fruits. By their fruits. But how do you get by that when someone tells you, who are you to judge me, but yet you show them, well, your fruit's not there. Well, God still works with me. That's what I was trying to ask is how do you get around all that? Well, we're not to judge people's sin. I'm so not I, talking about sin, but right. I'm just talking about right. So really where God tells us that we're not to supposed to judge others, that word judge actually means to condemn. So where Jesus says, in another, it's actually in another place in Matthew, I believe, it says, don't judge others, okay? What that is, is that's a judgment like a condemnation. Like, you know what? You're sinful and you're going to hell. That's not our place to judge. Or you're sinful so you don't deserve anything from God. That's not our place to judge. What he says is we recognize them, we judge what kind of person they are. So no, we're not going to judge and say, you know, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, but we are going to figure out what kind of person they are, especially this says they're false prophets. So these are people who are coming into the church pretending to be leaders. They're pretending to speak for God. The Bible says that people who speak for God are, ex are judged more harshly by God. So if someone stands up and says that they're speaking for God, for instance, I'm a pastor and I believe and I know that God has called me to be a pastor, but I know that as I get up to speak for God, I will be judged more harshly by God for every word that comes out of my mouth. But I think the difference is I'm not judging the person. I'm not judging their heart. Right. I'm judging their fruit. That's what yes. I was trying to ask. Yes. And so, so I could say, well, I hear your words, but this is, the, this is what's coming out of you. These are your fruits. Yeah. And it depends partly on my authority, what my relationship is with that person where I go from there. Do I have a place where I can say something to them? Or is that a place where their pastor needs to say something? That, right. That's a hard thing. And sometimes it might be a, per, a case by case kind of thing. Does that but make I sense? I was kind of asking, because I get confused and all these, we were talking about, um, I don't know the word, um, all the denominations. Now, right. I asked you about that. Right. Now, there's here, 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 and one teaches this, and we were just asking about that. Remember how? Yes. 
one denomination teaches this, one denomination teaches this, one's this, one's this, and as far as how I understand, God really doesn't care about denominations. Right. And so, but he does care, and this is what I'm about to talk about, because what you're asking, I'm about to go into. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. What he's talking about, he doesn't care about denominational names, but he does care that those who are in leadership are also sheep, not wolves, trying to take, take advantage of the sheep. So let's continue down and see if this answers your question. So um, he says in verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, before I talk about the fruits, which I'm about to talk about, I want to talk about two kinds of ravenous wolves that are coming into the church today, that are trying to get into churches today to take advantage of the flocks, okay? The first one I talk about will come into a church and they will say, you don't need a savior because you're really okay. And the God that you need is actually inside of you already. And all you have to do is get past your hangups and get past your confusion And the God that you need is already inside you. That is the first kind of false prophet that I see coming into churches today. And they will tell you that you don't need a savior because you're already okay on the inside. And God is already inside of you. And they don't talk about sin and they don't talk about repentance at all. Okay? That is a false prophet. That is not what Jesus told us in the Bible. The other prevalent voice that I see nowadays, (coughs) excuse me, says, God wants to give you power and authority to destroy your enemies and make your way easy. And if you just have enough faith, then you can declare and your way will be easy and your life will be good and you'll be rich and everything will work out good for you. And if you're not having an easy time, it's because you don't have enough faith. Okay? So those are the two kinds of false prophets that I see most commonly coming to the church today. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that God gives us power. I believe that God gives us the ability to do the miraculous. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are for today. We will teach them and we will practice them. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts that God allows you to give to others. But most importantly, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what we call the power gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy, miracles, all these other things, listen very closely. 
Jesus says that false prophets will be known by their fruits. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not the fruits. If a pastor or someone gets up and they say they're going to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that is not the fruit that tells you whether or not they're a false prophet. Okay? In fact, Jesus in the very next verse talks about that. Because we think, we get to think, and some of these, some of these false prophets will tell you, well, because I move in the power of the Holy Spirit, you know I'm really from God. That's not true. Look at the very next verse, 21. Matthew 7, 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Yes. So some of these people who will get up will be false prophets and they'll say, oh, Lord, Lord. And they'll move in these, these miraculous works and these kind of things. But Jesus says in the next verse in 22, on that day, in other words, the day when he judges, he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do mighty works in your name. Well, we would look at that and we would say, well, definitely that must be the fruit of someone who is from God, right? No. Jesus says they'll declare that and he will say, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. John? Even King Saul prophesied. Even King Saul prophesied before the kingdom was taken away from him. Yes. The key word, because we talked about this. Yes. I never knew you. I never knew you. That's right. He wants relationship. And do you notice how in this he ties relationship to obedience? He says, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. In other words, I didn't know you, you didn't obey me. Yeah. So relationship with Christ and obedience go together. Because if you love Jesus, and if you see how much he loves you, you will realize, and this is the key, guys, so everybody pay close attention. You will realize that God tells you what to do because he knows it's good for you and he loves you. Yes. But those miraculous works are not fruit that prove the person is from God. What is the fruit that, that proves the person is from God? It's obedience. And then turn with me really quickly over to Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 22, Paul tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. Do you want to know how to tell if someone is actually hearing from God? And this says false prophets. So these are people who say they speak for God. Here's how to tell. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you want to know how to tell if someone, if someone stands up and says, well, I'm going to speak for God. Look at their life. Look at their life. Are they obedient to what Jesus tells them and what he says in the word, in the Bible? Do they have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? You know, I see a lot of people in, uh, who, especially on YouTube, who say they're prophets for God and they're mad. Yeah. They're angry. They're not gentle. They're not kind. They don't have joy. Listen, we believe and practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I believe that God still speaks to his people. I believe that God still gives us prophetic words to give to others to encourage them and build them up. I believe that God does miracles today. But if a person tells you that they have a word for you from God and their life doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit, don't listen. If a pastor stands up and says, I am a pastor for God, but his life doesn't show the fruit of the Spirit, if he doesn't have self-control, and that's a big one, mm -hmm. if he doesn't have self-control, don't listen to him because you will know them by their fruits. So, how do we weather the storm? How do we make it through these times of upheaval where voices, false prophets are coming into the church and where false teachings are coming into the church and everything is a storm? How do we weather the storm? We're going to conclude with Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, it's the very next verse in the passage. He says... First, he says in the previous verses, you will know them by their fruit. Then he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And as the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it has been founded on the rock. Can I tell you something? These false teachers will tell you that they can give you the secrets to make your life easy. To fix all the problems in your life. To make your life easy to live. But what did Jesus say about the gate that leads to life? He said it's small and it's hard. And then he says here, you know what? It says, the man who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Does it say like a wise man who builds his house on the rock and everything is sunny and wonderful? No. He says the wise man builds his house on the rock and guess what happens? Rain comes. Floods come up. The wind beats 
on the house. Have you ever been in a windstorm where you can hear the wind beating on your house? I have, especially since I moved to New Mexico. When I was a teenager, I lived on the other side of the mountains, out in the Estancia Valley, north of Moriarty. And there were days that I would just plug my ears because the wind would blow and blow and blow and blow for day after day after day. And just the sound of the wind across our trailer, because we had a double wide, would drive, it was ready to drive me crazy. In this life, if you choose the, the narrow gate, it will be hard. But if you hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice and do them, you will be like a man who builds his house on the rock. And when the storms come, because they will come, your house will stand firm. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The difference is obedience. The difference is asking, seeking, knocking after the things of God, yes. pursuing Jesus, turning away from sin every day and turning to God and pursuing God. Do you remember at the very beginning I said, I believe this is a season where God is separating out those whose hearts are truly his and those who want to go their own way. Do you know how you tell the difference? By the storms. Do you want to know why we're experiencing storms in our political world right now, in the business world right now, in the church right now? We're experiencing the storms because God is revealing whose house is built on the rock and whose house is built on the sand. So I want to encourage you, but I also want to ask our self-check this week. Are you hearing, are you choosing to hear and understand God's words? Are you repenting, turning away from sin and choosing to hear and understand God's words? If you turn and choose, you will understand them. I talk to people all the time who before they came to Jesus would read the Bible and it meant nothing to them. It was just a bunch of words. But then in their hearts, when they turn to Jesus, they repent and turn away from their sin and turn to Jesus. Guess what? Not only does the Bible start to mean something to them, but they want to read it. They can't wait to read it. You know why? Because they've turned from their sin and they've entered into the kingdom of heaven, which is right there at hand. And then they want to obey. So I want to ask everyone, both those who are here and those who are online, 
Is your house built on the rock? Or is it built on the sand? As these storms are coming, can you feel the foundation under you or is everything in your house shaking? Is everything in your life shaking and knocked off balance? If you feel like everything in your life is shaking and knocked off balance, let me encourage you very, very strongly. Now is the time to turn to Jesus. Now is the time to turn. Now listen, you don't get saved by saying a magical prayer. But Jesus did say, ask and you will receive. And if right now your whole life feels like it's about to collapse, turn to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, be my savior. Jesus, teach me. I will follow you. Jesus, Give me the good gifts that my Father in heaven has for me, and I will hear your words and obey them. And he will found your life on the rock. And the rains will fall, the floods will come up, the wind will beat your house, but you will stand firm. Mm -hmm. It will be difficult, but you will stand firm. Lord God, I thank you that you have given us your words. Jesus, that your words are preserved for us in the Bible so that when we encounter tumultuous, stormy times like what we have right now, we can find your words to be an anchor for us, that they can give us stability, that they can give us hope and life. God, I pray that everyone hearing my words right now would hear your invitation to turn off of the wide gate that leads to destruction, to turn off that path and to look for the narrow gate that leads to life, that they may find it and follow that path to you and to life. God, I ask that you would continue to reveal Continue to reveal the false prophets, the false prophets in politics, the false prophets in the church, the false prophets in business, the false prophets in our, just in the, in the seats next to us in church. God, continue to allow the storm to rage until all of their houses are knocked flat and we can see the fruit of who is truly yours. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And God, let that fruit be produced in us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you for joining us this morning online, uh, whether it's the podcast or Facebook or YouTube. Uh, If you found this encouraging, um, feel free to like it. Feel free to to subscribe to our channel. That's fine. But most of all, let God's word go deeply into your heart, change you, bring you to life, and set you on a firm foundation. Listen, we believe in you, and we believe in Jesus in you, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks.